Hello, Welcome to another episode of Swarm Talk, the crowded booth. We're talking the Georgia Tech spring game here on today's episode of the crowded booth. Pile in here and make yourself feel at home. The crowded booth is coming on. The crowded booth with Bryce Coon. What's up, everybody? My name is Bryce Kuhn. We're back here with another episode talking the Georgia Tech spring game. It Look, it was a fun one. There was a lot of action. And most importantly, folks, points were put on the board on both sides as we get ready to talk about it today. I want to thank our sponsors here, Section 103, the best Georgia Tech gear you're going to find on the market. Make sure to go over there. Use code the crowded booth for 10% off your first order. Hey, if you're watching on YouTube, a couple things I need you to do. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure to like the video. Let's see how many likes we can get here today. And comment down below your thoughts on the spring game. This was going to be interesting, I think. Heading in to see what you guys think. I, th- I think it's. Uh, I think it was a good game, and we're going to dive into some of my takeaways from this game. Obviously, uh, a good atmosphere. Uh, you know, obviously the the crowd was was into it as well. Good, some good good attendance as well for Georgia Tech. And I think we're going to see kind of going forward. We saw a glimpse of what this team can be. Now let's start off right here with this. You have to understand when you get in a situation with a spring game. A lot of people love to get excited about the fact that, hey, look, you know, uh, the offense put up these amount of points. And that is a good thing because, look, we know even against bad defenses last year, Georgia Tech would struggle at times to have consistency in offensive play. They were able to do that. Now, the defense, as Brent Key said, the postgame presser, ran some base sets, really just four plays kind of they were able to run. And so, yes, it is a little bit of a vanilla look for Georgia Tech uh, offensively. But the key is, even against some vanilla looks, even against some bad defenses, Georgia Tech has been unable to convert some of the big, big basic things. And that's my first point. I talked about this last night on the Rec Talk live stream, and I want to reiterate it here today. The offense looked like they understood fundamentally what was happening out there. And you might laugh and say, Bryce, really? No, seriously. How many times have we seen sometimes it doesn't feel like people know where they're going? They're not completely confident, not in just the game plan, but what they're doing in their role. And we've said, if you don't know your role, you can't play 110%. If you don't know what you have to do, it's really hard to do anything else. And so was really impressed with the sense of it felt just kind of free-flowing. It felt like it was something that for Georgia Tech to take the next step in what they want to do under Brinke, under Buster Faulkner, we're going to get that in a second, they had to know what they were doing. And through the first 14 days, I think this is a team that felt like, hey, we're confident, we have understand some of the basic concepts that Faulkner wanted to put in offensively, but you see that they were able to execute certain plays. Um, the big domino that we're going to talk here, and I mentioned it in a video that we've done. We haven't done as many, but we're going to start to pick those up, especially as we get closer uh, to summer workouts and then obviously fall camp, and then we're going to have those live videos back. Yes, we're going to go back live again, reacting to each and every single game this season. Quarterback position, Buster Faulkner. First off, we need to say this. I said mentioned this. If you watch the Rec Talk live stream, you may hear a couple, uh, you know, some some repeats in this. And we appreciate Rec Talk, everything they do. Sea Dog, my man Benjamin London, who's now at GoJackets.com with twenty four seven Sports. Haynes King looks different. 
Uh, he was putting the ball where he wanted to, and both guys were. Zach Pyron did a nice job as well of being able to place the ball where he wanted to, and we're going to start offensively with what I saw here. Between Haynes King and Zach Pyron, I don't think that we saw, and I, and I, you look, Brent Key is a guy that doesn't, and not many coaches love it, but Brent Key's not going, is not, doesn't love the media availability time. He, he doesn't necessarily love talking uh, to media, you know, about everything. And so he's obviously going to keep things close to the vest, and I think that this is where this quarterback battle is going to go. We're going to see it continue into the fall where Key's not going to name a starter and let these two guys battle it out. But I think from what we saw on the field, and we got to shout out Brody Rhodes as well. Fantastic job and really a great day for him. And really showed off some serious athleticism and a good arm as well. But between King and Pyron, and you could throw Gibson in there, but I think this is really, in my opinion, a two-horse race between these two guys. Zach Gibson has shown that he is a capable backup quarterback here at Georgia Tech and that he can do that. Now, obviously, people go back to the Virginia game, but if you want to play the more recency bias, how he played in the Georgia game was admirable. How he played in the Georgia game was brave. And what he did uh, is he put Georgia Tech in a chance to give Georgia a scare for a half. Um, obviously, Tech just didn't have the horses to run with that team up in Athens for the full four quarters. But respect to him. And I think Zach Gibson is a guy that – you know, as we saw last season, if injuries do plague this position, Gibson can step in and now a year under his belt here in Atlanta can start to provide a little bit of stability, which he did towards the end of the season. But between King and Pyron, I don't think there was a ton of separation that we saw in this spring game. And I also want to state this about a spring game. We mentioned this earlier. A spring game is not the best benchmark to base off of your decisions of who should play or who should not play. It's just that this time of the year, it's the only tangible thing that we as fans, media, and as coaches can see that. But I guarantee you, and I, this is how I feel, I think that the live scrimmages and practices probably gave a better look at what this quarterback race really looks like, something that's not available to the media, not available to the fans, but available to that coaching staff. That probably gives a better look at where this quarterback race really is, and it's behind closed doors, behind those eyes. But Haynes King finishes 13 to 22, throws for 277 yards and three touchdowns. Zach Pyron, very efficient, 11 to 16, 153 yards and a touchdown. But the key here is that both quarterbacks were able to stretch the field and they were able to put the ball in places for the receivers to go and make plays. And I think that's something that's huge. That's what I wanted to see coming out is what quarterback is going to give their their offense a chance to succeed and make good decisions, put the ball in a good place. And I felt like both guys did that. Now listen, both these guys are far from a finished product. Haynes King, uh, obviously coming over to Texas A&M, he's transferring for a reason. Uh, Zach Pyron, you know, as much as we've talked about Zach Pyron, he's still a very young kid. He still has stuff to learn, and he's continuing to grow. But I think that Georgia Tech is in a really good spot at the quarterback position that we haven't been able to say over the past couple of seasons. They have true competition. They have two guys. It's not a controversy. It's a luxury to have two guys that are making it worth your time, making it worth our time to sit on this podcast and talk about how Georgia Tech has a real competition. Not a controversy at quarterback, a competition. Uh, one thing about Haynes King I think that we did see I wanted to point out and one thing about each quarterback is that Haynes King, we see why he was as talented and touted as he was coming out of high school. Look, this kid can play. You don't just magically lose your touch to play football, to throw a football um, in the span of a year and a half. 
And one thing that my good friend Benjamin London mentioned on last night's Rec Talk live stream was is that Haynes King, we also saw, this is a kid who has had to battle every single year in college. So he's no stranger to that. I think that's why Georgia Tech was a good fit for him because he knew he was coming in to a quarterback battle. Uh, then with Zach Pyron. I mean, look, this kid's going to continue to get healthier and healthier as the season goes on, but we saw his ability to make plays with his feet. He's still looking good, obviously, uh, and, and you know, progressing through the health uh, and the injury that he had that ended his year last season. And so I think that Georgia Tech's sitting in, in a good spot, and it takes me, it takes me to the receivers and running backs. Look, uh, I got to talk about Trey Cooley, the Louisville transfer. Look, you know at this point kind of what you're going to get out of Dante Smith. Uh, Dante Smith can be a dynamic back for you. I think that they know that. Jamie Felix kind of emerged on the scene after getting some reps last season. But I think that Trey Cooley's a guy that could really be dangerous in what Buster Faulkner likes to do. Now look, I talked about this, I joked about this, and people are going to make comments in the comment section, and we want that. But if you go back and look at what Buster Faulkner had success with at his previous stop, he had some good success. Everyone talks about the tight ends, but they also talk about, and maybe not talked about as much, is success with throwing to the backs out of the backfield. And I think that we're going to see Trey Cooley kind of assume that role as well as some of the other guys. But Cooley showed what he can do. You know, in Athens, they would have running backs that would maybe not a thousand yard rusher, but maybe 750 on the ground for the year, but maybe 450 in the air. Guys that combined for a thousand purpose yards. Uh, on Saturday, Trey Cooley combined for over a hundred all purpose yards, running for 59 and had 41 receiving yards. He also averaged 7.4 yards per carry. Cooley showing that dynamic ability to be a weapon both in the run game and the passing game. And once again, speaks to the testament of what Buster Faulkner and what we're going to end this episode with offensively of kind of what he was able to do. Uh, a couple of the receivers that stood out for me, look, I mean, we all, and it's no it's no secret, Malik Rutherford was a guy that I felt like needed to step up, obviously with the loss of Nate McCollum. But this is a guy who not only stood up, but to me emerged as a guy that could really open up things on the offensive thing. When you have a quarterback that can throw the ball down the field, which Haynes King and Zach Pyron are more than capable of doing, and Zach Gibson at times, and then you have a guy like Malik Rutherford that can take the top off of a defense – uh, look, this guy is not only flashy in his ability to get open, he's also flashy when he has the football in his hands. And so he makes some defenders miss. He makes some guys look pretty rough. And I think that for you know Rutherford, this was a coming out party. And not only, not only just for fans, because as fans, you see these names, you go on message boards, uh, you read the tweets, you see the clips, and you think, man, this guy's going to be good. But I think for a kid in like Malika Rutherford, who has heard a lot of who's going to replace Nate McCollum, and knowing that he had talent coming into Atlanta, but now kind of saying, you know, it's my time. And I think Rutherford has, you know, for lack of better words, grabbed the bull by the horns and has started to steer, no pun intended, his way and continuing to try to make a name for himself in Atlanta. And obviously I think he did a lot for that. Um, another one, and, you know, I think this is a kid that was a little bit banged up last year. But redshirt freshman DJ Moore, guys, this kid is dynamic, and you can get him if he potentially you know plays in the slot where they play the you know the X, the Y, the Z receiver. It's a kid that Buster Faulkner showed in the spring game. He wants to get the football. Four receptions, ninety-two yards, and a touchdown. And for me, look, we've always, 
I remember last spring we saw, you know, we've always known that DJ Moore had good speed, but this year he looks a little more compact. He looks uh, stronger, and I think that gives, you know, credit to the new strength and conditioning staff uh, that, you know, he he's making moves and, and making the jump from the freshman to the redshirt freshman, freshman to sophomore season, that you would want to see out of this group. Uh, so I really, really liked you know the work put in there uh, by DJ Moore, and I think that it's going to be one of those things. Um, Evan Dickens, the, the, the freshman running back, uh, stats weren't popping off the paper necessarily, but he had several runs that I think you could look and see, hey, there's some really good vision here. There's a lot of potential in that. Uh, so I, I really liked, you know, the fact that we kind of saw some of that as well. Kind of wrapping it up with the offensive game plan here. Uh, I think we got to give a lot of credit to Chris Winkie and Buster Faulkner working with Haynes King. He looks a lot better and more fluid in, you know, the throwing motion. But I think that, you know, when you see what they're able to do and what they dialed up. Folks, how many times do we watch last year that teams would just put seven, eight, and almost nine guys in the box at times because they knew that Georgia Tech did not have the ability to consistently convert and execute plays of maybe 10-plus, 15-plus yards through the air. They just didn't have that ability at times last year. Well, it's starting to look like, and look, it was against a vanilla defensive effort, but it started to feel and look like this was a situation where Georgia Tech was able to turn and say, look, we're going to be explosive. And not the talk, but you saw it put into action offensively. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing what Georgia Tech was able to do, how Buster Faulkner was able to be creative in the playbook, but not gimmicky. Uh, I, I liked that a lot. And look, I said it earlier this month, or maybe last month, I think that Buster Faulkner was the biggest addition to the Georgia Tech offense this past offseason. What he's going to be able to bring to the table, I think is exciting. And most of all, it works alongside with what Brent Key wants to do, and it gives this team an identity uh, offensively that they have not had since Paul Johnson was at the helm. So really like where they went from there. And then finally, certainly last but not least on the offensive side of things, the offensive line. And I think that you had to say, look, what is this offensive line going to look like? And I want to pull something up so I can reference it here that I had in my notes that we were talking about. Um, but look, Offensive line, you know, when you see a guy like Jordan Williams, we saw him uh, specifically in the North Carolina game slide down into that right guard position. When Jordan Williams is doing that, that's when this offensive line kind of took another step. Ja'Kai Leftwich out there on the tackle, Joe Fusel, uh, Corey Robinson, Weston Franklin as well. Another year, this, this young group that, look, we had talked about, had some talent. It was probably the more talented group two years ago, but just needed that experience now they're sophomores, juniors. They're two, maybe three-year players. And then you have a guy like Jordan Williams that's been playing now for three seasons, entering his fourth year in the program. I love everything we're seeing there. I like the depth that they're growing there. Wing Green, Paul Tucho, you know, Jordan Brown, Tyler Gibson. And another name, too, that stuck out to me uh, was obviously you know a guy named Elias Cloy, a freshman that's only been on campus for two months. But what did Cloy do? He's earning valuable reps in the second-team unit. And look, that speaks to that Georgia Tech's not bringing in guys on the offensive line that need to sit back and necessarily wait and need to learn. Yes, Cloy's going to get some valuable, you know, um, we'll call what, what do we call him, uh, you know, 
you know, light reps, we'll call them, You're necessarily watching and seeing what the guys ahead of him are doing, but he's also getting to put in work and he's earning the respect of the staff and what it kind of feels like it's moving to say, hey, we don't care how old you are. If you can play, you can play. And I really liked the fact that I saw get, like kids like Elias Cloy, you know, get some run there in that game. I think it's huge for the development of them. But also, it's not just a gimme. It's not just a, hey, we're going to throw you a bone. I think Cloy has earned the right to get some second-team reps, which, you know, hasn't always happened in Atlanta with guys getting opportunities uh, that early on. So that's the offensive side of things. I want to lastly mention, you know, guys like Christian Rilleri, uh, Abdul Janay. I mean, I like all these guys. I think they're going to be big pieces. I think that that, uh, you know, wide receiver room, when they get a guy like Chase Lane in, you add in Rutherford, you have uh, Avery Boyd, DJ Moore, Avery Boyd healthy, and uh, making that, you know, that physical presence that I think Georgia Tech needs uh, on the outside of the wide receiver position. I really like where Georgia Tech sits in that wide receiver room. It'll be interesting to see with the portal opening up back on April the 15th, which was just, what, two days ago. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, does Georgia Tech maybe want to add another one? Do they feel good about the depth? We'll have to kind of see what happens with the portal opening back up on April 15th. Um, going over to the defensive side of things as we continue throughout this podcast, I need to make sure I mention this. Tight end position, it's going to grow. It's going to get there. I saw the drops. We all did. It's going to get better. Uh, defensively here, let's start on the back end where you have guys like, look, K.J. Wallace um, continuing to make plays. Spider Sims kind of entrenched at that one cornerback position. You know, you do have a conversation of who's going to be at the other side of things. And I think that when you kind of saw uh, guys like Kenyatta Watson make some plays, uh, obviously, against some really good players. Kenan Johnson but you also kind of saw a guy named Amari Harvey that stood out to a couple of the media members in attendance as well. Where does he fit into things? A talented kid that came over from Auburn out of South Florida and then made the transferred leap over. I remember interviewing him last year. Uh, this is a kid that can play, and if he can play, they're going to find a spot for him. But really like uh, you know the potential of what Kenyatta Watson can provide there at that cornerback position. He's got NFL length. Uh, you know, he's a guy that has stood out on paper to scouts already, has stood out, you know, in practices. I remember being at practices last season and guys saying, hey, who is number three in white? I think you can see that there's good competition and good combination of some guys that can run out there. Uh, the safety position obviously feels like LaMiles Brooks is, you know, due for an ACC, an all-ACC selection. Uh, this kid is unbelievable wearing number one. You have Clayton Powell-Lee, but you've also got some really good depth in Jalen King and Kari G. Uh, really like where they sit on the you know defensive backfield because I think it's important because as you kind of start to move up to the front of the defense, uh, for me there's still some questions. And I like what we saw out of the linebackers, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how all these pieces kind of fit together. Uh, you know, where do these pieces go from here and the linebacker position and the defensive line? I mean, look, Zeke Biggers continues to look impressive. Uh, you're going to have Micaiah Scott, Daquan Douse, uh, Sylvain, Kyle Kennard. You're going to have guys. Uh, but Itanosa Rubin was a guy that I think kind of stood out. Not the fact that he popped off the stat sheet, but the kid, the transfer from Clemson, I believe I'm correct in that, I uh, didn't have that part written down. But the transfer from Clemson and Rubin, he made some moves to where you say, hey, this guy's going to be a part of the rotation. And any good defensive line has to have a rotation of guys that they can go to and be comfortable with over the course of a 60-minute game. And I think Georgia Tech is starting to build that depth. 
All right, last but certainly not least, we're going to talk here about special teams. Uh, you have Gavin Stewart. He missed the PAT, was taken out uh, subsequently. Aiden Burr is right behind him. Burr is a very talented kicker, obviously, towards ACL last season, didn't get to play. But Gavin Stewart provided um, you know, the Band-Aid that Georgia Tech needed and the kicking woes they had last year. But I think Aiden Burr is a talented kid that's going to push for some playing time. Uh, you still have David Shanahan as the uh, you know the punter and the place kicker. Uh, Malik Rutherford back there, you know, receiving punts. You saw what he did with the reverse. Really think that uh, he's going to be a weapon for Georgia Tech as well. Let's end it right here. What did we learn the most out of Georgia Tech's spring experience? I think that we learned one that this team, this program, is starting to form that identity that they never could under the previous regime. Uh, give credit to Brent Key for bringing in a solid staff, a staff that can compete, in my opinion, to the Power 5 level and is worthy of a Power 5 um, you know, staff, in my opinion. I love what Buster Faulkner's been able to do. I love what Chris Winkie's been able to do with the quarterbacks. And I believe that this is a team that is going to continue to grow and has – a good situation on their hands at quarterback. You have two capable guys, may the best man win. I've made it my point. You know, Zach Pyron, obviously everyone loves the heart and determination that he showed last season towards the end of the year, but we have to be far removed from letting that blind us, whoever is the you know the guy that needs to most win the job. Uh, Pyron, very talented. Haynes King, a talented kid as well. We're going to see who wins that job. Whoever does will be better for it. I think Georgia Tech is going to be in capable hands. Whoever wins that job, I love those two players as well. What do you think? Let me know down in the comments below as we wrap up this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in, talking the Georgia Tech spring game. It was a fun day. It was an, you know, a beautiful day for football in Midtown Atlanta. And I think that we also continued to see what this program needs to do and what they're going to do kind of going into the summer. I think that we're going to see the relationships between tight ends, running backs, receivers, and quarterbacks grow uh, when they get you know, some of that extra work in. But I'm excited to see kind of what happens as we lead up into you know the month of September and that big game, that big date uh, against Louisville in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. My name is Bryce Kuhn. This has been Swarm Talk, the Georgia Tech podcast here with the Crowded Booth Media, continuing to pump out content. Make sure you do a couple things for me. Hit subscribe. Hit some of the links down below. Join the Discord. Join the conversation as well. And make sure, last but not least, Check out Section 103, some of the best gear, the best gear, in my opinion, that you're going to find as a Georgia Tech fan. We'll catch you next time. My name is Bryce Coon. Thanks so much for watching. We will talk to you about Georgia Tech, maybe Transfer Portal. Do they look anywhere? What could they add? What could they lose? They might come up next week on the Crowded Booth in the Swarm Talk podcast. How in here and make yourself feel at home. Coming on. The Crowded Booth with Bryce Coons.